And welcome to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. I am your host, Precious D. And I am your other host, Honeybee. Honeybee, how you doing this week? Ooh, it has been a week. <laughs> I am glad the holiday over. How are you? Uh, I'm all right. It's uh, my birthday in a couple of days, so yeah. Well, by the time Hi. by the time this airs, I think when this airs, it will have been my birthday yesterday. Well, everyone. Who hears this? Who hears this? Don't forget to wish Precious a happy birthday. Happy late birthday, since it was yesterday when you hear this. <laughs> Thank you. Sadly, we are starting the year off with Attack of the Crab Monsters. <laughs> oh, Wow. And I think I must have somehow messed up the order of my list or my list messed itself up because this is from 1957. I thought we had moved past 1957. What the hell? <laughs> yes, this list says it's 1958, but other sources say 1957. So, who knows? I can't be bothered to <laughs> do a deep dive to figure it out. That's what you get for getting a list off the internet. So, this is a very bad movie. I, I, Okay, I never saw this movie coming. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I thought like you mean a the, lot the, of times the big reveal. Movie, well, no, I mean there's so much. There's so many times where I felt like, like, what is going on here? What is happening in this movie? It feels like a fever dream. This movie was nightmare fuel. Like, <laughs> this movie, there's so many times where I'm just like. What is happening? This is, oh, this movie is crazy. Uh, it's uh, in black and white. It's only 62 minutes. And it is directed by the, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say infamous Roger Corman. Yeah, in the comments. I was reading the comments in the, yeah, and everyone's like, oh, the infamous Roger Corman. One guy was like, I bet he just made up all this shit on set. He's so <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I was like, wow, this guy's a really big deal. Okay. Yeah, well, he is a big deal, and at the same time not, in that all he ever directed was, you know, cheap-ass exploitation shit, uh, mm. pretty much. But he's had, you know, a long career and a big influence, and... Over the years, various people who went on to have bigger careers worked for him. He gave various people their start in the in the movies and you know mentored them or showed them the ropes or whatever. I think James Cameron, oh. maybe. So when you when we talked about this movie, when you were like, watch this movie next, I was like, cool, thanks. And you were like, don't thank me. And I was like, oh no. And you were like, <laughs> I have two words for you, Roger Corman. And I didn't know what that meant, but now I fucking do. <laughs> now, <you> do. <laughs> now I do. <laughs> I don't know how many monster movies he did, so I don't not sure we're gonna see him again. But oh, okay. uh, feel free to explore his oeuvre. 
Uh, he did it like the same year, I think. He did Not of This Earth. This one I'm curious to see. The Saga of the Viking Women and Their Voyage to the Waters of the Great Sea Serpent, which was also Holy 1957. Wait, that was that was a title? That was a title from the same year. Also in the same year, he did two what are called Teen Girl Noirs, Teenage Doll, and Sorority Girl. What? <laughs> yeah. Are um, these? Wasp um... Woman is one of his movies. Battle of Blood Island. Creature from the mm. Haunted Sea. Yeah, that's the kind of... Thing. Oh, Mask of the Red Death. I don't think I realized he... And Tomb of Ligia. Oh, he did a couple of uh, Poe movies that uh, star Vincent Price. Hmm. So he got around. Yes, yes. He He's had a long and varied career. Looks like he is still alive. Denmark. Uh, <laughs> he's 95, so he's still kicking. Hell yeah. If you're listening to this, Mr. Corman... Hats off to you, sir. <laughs> the budget was 70000 <laughs> I don't believe it. And the box office was $1 million. So I think this is why he's had such a long career. He, you know, his movies make money. <laughs> They're low budget, but they, yeah. make, they make their money and a little bit more. Featured monsters, of course, are crabs, giant crabs. <laughs> and the only other key personnel I wrote down was Russell Johnson. Did you recognize Russell Johnson? Do you know who Russell Johnson is? I guess not. Uh, Russell Johnson. Uh, he he play in the movie. He plays um, Hank. Okay. Uh, he is better known as Professor Roy Hinckley on Gilligan's Island. Nope, have not seen it. You have not seen Gilligan's Island? No. Are you seriously telling me you've never seen Gilligan's Island? I am seriously telling you that. I mean, I'm sure I've seen wow. some episodes in passing, but yeah, no, I've never seen it. <sighs> wow. These, these kids today. <laughs> I just, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, there were... My, uh, there were far fewer channels and there were certain shows that were constantly on in syndication. So you'd watch them when you got home from school. Uh, so Gilligan's Island, the Brady Bunch, the monkeys, Batman, things like that. Always in rotation in the after school hours, sort of before dinner. Uh, well, you've got to go watch some Gilligan's Island. Noted. I met Russell Johnson once. He <laughs> came to town. Yeah, not not when I lived in New York or any place like that. He came here to town <laughs> to do... There used to be a dinner theater out on the highway, and he came here to do a dinner theater a play called Bell, Book, and Candle, and then, uh, you know, hung around to sign autographs afterwards and was very, very oh, nice. Oh, random. Yep, yep. So I think they regularly got celebrities of that caliber <laughs> to come to that dinner theater. Mm-hmm. But he was the the first time it was anybody they thought, you know, we children would want to go see. So there you go. Anyway, how about we talk about this movie? Oh, the death count. Whoa. I counted four. I, I counted four deaths. Is that what you got? I didn't freaking count them. I think two scientists and two sailors. 
but there are some deaths before the movie starts. We begin with some credits and a quote from Genesis chapter 6, verse 7. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. A lot of these movies like to start with the pretentious quote to make them seem more important. I don't think this really applies to the movie we're about to watch, though. <laughs> you know, some big crabs kill a few people. Yeah. They don't wipe man from the face of the earth, nor do all the crabs get wiped from the face of the earth. So, there you go. Uh, <laughs> a small boat comes ashore on a beach, and several men and one woman and a bunch of boxes get out of the boat some accent guy says you can feel the lack of welcome <laughs> lack of abiding life and another guy says I felt the same when I came to save you when I came to rescue you the first time this is all very unclear it takes a while for them to lay out what is going on but apparently there was a previous expedition to the island that has gone missing yeah like i said this whole freaking movie just seems like a weird dream yeah so sometimes you know in a dream where like you're in the dream and it makes sense but then when you're like playing it back in your head you're like well that yeah. doesn't really make sense it's kind of <laughs> like that <laughs> These people are from some kind of institute, but they don't ever say what it is, I think. And our one woman, who is a lady scientist, yay, hey. says the uh, men, men were our friends from the same institute uh, and were lost somehow, body and soul. And somebody speculates that maybe their ghosts will answer. Which is a weird foreshadowing question yes, mark they, of sorts. Yes, because they sort of do. And they uh, tell us that the house is, you can't see it from here, it's behind those hills and further in, inland. I never quite figured out what this sailor meant by when I rescued you the first time, because it doesn't seem like, it, th that implies that the, the, the one guy is a survivor of the previous expedition. But then nothing they say later indicates that that is the case, that anyone survived the first expedition or that any of them have any knowledge because they go there trying to find out what happened. But nobody talks about, well, when I was here before. So that line just doesn't make Great. sense. So I don't know what I don't know what that's about. Uh, maybe he was making it up on the fly and thought he was thought that's what he was going <laughs> to like the commenters said. <laughs> thoughts that where he was going to go and then change his mind. Uh, another boat is coming in, and a guy's starting to try to unload shit before the boat's even docked or, or stopped, and he falls off. And in only three minutes and nine seconds, we get a partial glimpse of dun, the crab dun, dun. monster as it uh, as it grabs the guy. Big eye, and there's a scream, and <laughs> they pull the guy up into the boat, but his head is gone. <laughs> Yeah, and, and this thing, his head is gone, and then the guy who's very calmly says, cover him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, this man has lost his no. head. You're, you yep. don't even know why. Like, there is no panic in this guy whatsoever. Right. He is just so calm, and he's just like, 
Co- oh shit! His head. It's mis- cover up. Cover him. Yeah, I was like, don't let, it, don't let the other people see it. <laughs> he's he's cold. <laughs> uh, yeah, he should probably should have started just shooting into the water immediately, but no, he just doesn't. Uh, I guess doesn't want anyone else to see it. <laughs> yeah, he just has like he is just calm as shit. Mm-hmm. We cut to a tent where two sailors are checking grenades, and there's a whole bunch of crabs on the beach. Like normal, like little, little normal crabs. Yes, yes. They call them land crabs throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And the lieutenant and a character that I referred to as Dr. Trenchcoat, because he just doesn't look... He's wearing sunglasses and a trench coat throughout the beginning of the movie and just does not look like a scientist there to do science stuff. He looks like a bad spy or something. <laughs> Uh, they talk about the head, and the lieutenant is getting ready to leave. He says, I wouldn't care to stay, but call the base, you know, if you need any help. That is if the weather lets us get back to the base. <laughs> yeah, but the weather looks fine, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, the weather, it does. I think, I mean, their radar or whatever must tell, tell them like that storm's on the way. But the weather, yeah, it's, sure. it's fine at the moment, but maybe they know the storm's coming. And one of them says there's something in the air. Something in the air is wrong. There's no animal noises. Mm-hmm. And then uh, inside, there's some unpacking of boxes going on. And this, we got the oh, we uh, looks like we got the dynamite by mistake. I'll uh, take it back down to the beach. That's Hank, I think. I don't know why they. Yeah. Do they just mean that it should be on the beach? That it should be out in the tent with the grenades instead of in the house, or should they not have brought it from the boat at all? That's unclear. And he bumps into the lady, and we find out she is uh, Doctor Marty. We say, "Excuse me, Doctor," and she says, "Oh, you can just call me Marty." So this confirms that she is, in fact, a lady scientist. Yeah. We had a sound effects button. This is where I would put cheering. Somebody says the place looks good. It was a wreck a few months ago. Um, that might be when they discovered the other expedition was missing. I don't know. Dr. Trenchcoat and the lieutenant discussed that nothing was left from the previous group but McLean's journal. Not a hair or fingernail clipping. Which is odd. <laughs> so I guess the crabs ate everything? <laughs> I don't know. There should just be, yeah, there should be some something. Even if they got eaten by crabs, there should have been stuff left behind. Yeah. Normally, anyway, so I don't know what that's about, but I guess they're just trying to indicate that they were eaten whole. But there should have been stuff. There should have been remains from before they were eaten, like hairs and fingernail clippings. Yeah. I don't know. The Navy thinks they were all at sea in a small boat when the typhoon hit. And then we hear some booms and a rumble, and there's a rock slide. Shake, 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 shake. That's an interesting choice that every time there's some sort of like this rock slide, or like later there's like earthquakes or whatever, that the camera is shaking. <laughs> to do it instead Trek. of like the people, <laughs> like the camera starts shaking. Ah! Ah, yeah, yeah. Was, uh, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's just it's doing a Star Trek. You just choices. <laughs> move, <laughs> move the camera and everybody reacts. And uh, some of the Navy leaves, but they leave two sailors behind. So the I guess the the boats came over from some kind of seaplane that could not get close enough to the shore to unpack. I guess that's how they work. And 
there's two sailors, but there's also Russell Johnson. It's not clear what his... He doesn't seem to be with the Institute, but he doesn't appear to be a Navy guy either. Uh, he's some kind of technician and handyman is how he was listed in the uh, on the internet. Hank Chapman. And he explains to the two sailors... Oh, so he does a whole bunch of exposition here where he explains to the mm-hmm. two sailors that the expedition is here to study the effects of nuclear fallout from nearby atomic bomb tests. And then he names off each of the other characters and what their, the scientists and what their specialty is, what their field of study is. And I could not be bothered to memorize or remember or make note of any of that crap. Same. <laughs> but the sailors are going to blow up the mountain for the geologist. So I guess that's why they brought the dynamite. And uh, they wonder about what happened to the first group, and they speculate that the storm got them. And then everybody gathers to watch the seaplane take off as if it's a (laughs) event or something, which then it turns out to be because it explodes for no apparent reason. The storm has not come. There's no indication that there was anything wrong with it or that anybody sabotaged it or anything like that but it just explodes. Yeah. I also realized right here in the scene that Dr. Marty's collar is like popped up. <laughs> she like throughout the movie, the collars of her shirt, she like pops them uh-huh. up and has them like, you know, like it's really it's her little, interesting. <laughs> it's her little jaunty fashion choice that she yeah. consistently makes. Well, see, I noted here that Russell Johnson is marooned on a desert isle. But not being familiar with Gilligan's Island, that would mean nothing to you. Yeah, it means absolutely nothing. To- but I'm sure the audience enjoys that irony. There you go. There's a food <laughs> irony for you. At the radio, Hank can't get any of the naval radio bands. He gets a little bit of a civilian band playing some music. And he was on Gilligan's Island, he was always working the radio, which yeah. the, ba- the batteries never seem to run out on that radio. Um, so the Navy won't realize for a while that there's anything wrong. I, I guess the plane should be scheduled to return at a certain time. So when it doesn't, they might begin to suspect, but they can't call in the problem right now. And they even say too, that since there's the storm that that probably won't send anybody out because they'll just think that they wanted to wait out the storm or whatever. Yes. So it'll take a while for them to realize that they're late. And then they all go into the living room to work. And Dr. Trenchcoat reads from the journal, seems they found some kind of giant worm. Large piece of earthworm flesh. Yes. Not even a whole worm, just a, but judging from the (laughs) size of the piece of flesh, it was a giant worm that they would cut it, but it would... The, the knife would go right through it or didn't it healed up or something? I don't It had some weird properties. Yes. Yeah, the knife it basically would go through it like it was like tr- transparent. Yeah. And then there's another earthquake. And shaka, later, shaka, shaka, shaka. <laughs> later, Hank puts some mice to bed. <laughs> and he's like covering up the mouse, the mouse cage in the, in the lab. And two scientists discuss the worm and then why did the journal stop in mid-sentence? Dun, dun, dun. They never quite explain, but uh, yeah, I guess the crab got him while he was in the middle of writing. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe, because we hear later voices calling out, so maybe he heard something and stopped writing and went to go check it. Yeah. 
Yeah. No insect life. Something. I don't know. Strange movies. Okay. So that, um, yeah, I guess they noticed that there's no, no insect life on the island. But then there's a strange noise, a kind of a scratching. And they look outside, but it's just a wire blowing in the wind. Or that's what they think it is. But, but we do hear again later, I think. And the next day, Dr. Marty is scuba diving, and there's... Well, she's scuba walking. She doesn't actually dive <laughs> off of anything. She just walks right into the ocean with all of yeah. her gear on. <laughs> what? But it's still scuba. Well, she's scuba swimming or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's um, just no diving. I think you still call it diving, even if you don't. I'm not sure. I've never, I don't know very much about the ocean or like being around it, but I just thought it was really funny that she like had all of her like shit and then just like walked it to the ocean. I think it's still called scuba diving, even if you don't dive off of a thing. Uh, But they talk about, they make a big deal about how there's no animal noises and there's no insects or whatever, but all the ocean life seems perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. The fallout, whatever killed it, the fallout or... Well, but there was all those crabs on the beach, too. So this is more where it just doesn't add up. Anyway, the, yeah. ocean, is fu- the ocean is full of life. The fallout that they are studying does not seem to have affected the ocean life at all. Because there's a bunch of rays and fish and shipwreck... Mm-hmm which is covered with, you know, plant life and stuff. And Marty picks up some seaweed and stuffs it in her belt. This whole scuba diving scene <laughs> was, like, just weird and pointless. Well, how about the weird scuba kiss? So a guy comes yeah. swimming up to her. A guy in scuba gear comes swimming up to her. And I guess he kind of startles her. But it looks like he tries to kiss her. But they're both wearing their masks. Yeah, and she, like, pushes him away really hard. Yeah, yeah she pulls away, like, somebody that doesn't want to be kissed but then later she just like oh you scared me out to death so i guess he just startled her it wasn't so much that she doesn't like him she was just startled but yeah i just thought it was a really weird thing to do this mask kiss yeah this whole underwater scene just felt so stupid and annoying (laughs) like like what is happening like can we get on with it please right so they, they surface and we find out that the guy is Dale and she says, you nearly frightened me to death and that she was lost. A rock that she was using for a landmark, she turned around and it was gone. A big black rock. Yeah. But and the, but this is never explained either. Was it, are we meant to think it was the giant crab and she mistook it for a rock, right. I guess? Yes. This is another one of those weird dream things that like feels like it should make sense. But doesn't yeah. Dale says he did see a big black shape near her. So, yeah, I guess it's meant to be the crab. I so here's another weird thing. When the other sailor fell in the water at the beginning, the crab got him instantly. But Marty and Dale swim around for quite some time, and I guess it's full. <laughs> it doesn't seem at all interested in biting their heads off. So I don't, I don't know. And they mention that uh, there's land crabs and seagulls and everything else is dead. But why? Why are the land crabs and seagulls fine and everything else is dead? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. In fact, they should be dead, too, because they 
don't have anything to eat because everything else died. Yeah. So even if the radiation or whatever didn't kill them, they should still have dar- starved to death. So, I don't know. This uh, this fucking movie. And Dr. Carson calls out from the cliff and says to meet him up the path. Because a 50-foot pit has appeared out of nowhere. Yeah, in the last 20 minutes. Marty's like, that path wasn't here when I came down the hill. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> But don't go in. There's, uh, there might be a cave in, and they notice that the rock is glazed like in a kiln. <laughs> then McLean. Oh, so then it's. Oh, did I skip a page? Nope. No, no, no. This is where shit really fucking gets weird. Yeah. This is where shit gets so <laughs> weird that I was just like, "Am I? What?" Have I done drugs? Like, because this is where um, Martha is like asleep, and it's like awake, Martha, awake. Yes. So McLean, so it cuts to her in bed, and McLean's voice. We find out it's McLean's voice. Calls out to her and is calling her by her full name, Martha, and wakes her up, and she goes to look. And runs into Jim, who was also called, but apparently he just heard... They each only heard themselves being called. Mm -hmm. And Jim climbs down into the pit because he seems to think it's connected to the voice. And (laughs) then there's a little earth rumble. A shaky, shaky, shaky. And Marty... uh, Marty gets knocked out in just the stupidest... Yeah, I had to rewind this. For for Dale, or no, Jim, for Jim to climb down, he like stuck a little uh, pickaxe in the ground and tied the rope to it, I think. So Marty's sort of next to it and slips and gently grazes it with the side of her head, which instantly knocks her out. Yeah, I had to rewind <laughs> this several times because I just kept thinking like, what happened? I couldn't, I, that yeah. never even like got across to me that that was what was happening because it, it was so terribly done. And then uh, later on, I guess they say that she had fainted and I'm like, why? Yeah. What happened? I rewind it like three times and I still couldn't figure out what happened. I did too. Right. Yeah. They do say she fainted, but it looked to me like they were trying to show her getting knocked out because there was nothing that would cause her to faint. She's already already experienced a couple of these earthquakes, so it's not like that scared her so bad she she passed out. So, um, Jesus. Yeah, it's so, it's so weird. But then Jim, so Jim screams though. As she's getting knocked out, Jim uh, screams from down in the pit. A very high-pitched scream. Because the others even think it's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite a Wilhelm, though. And uh, the others come along, and, and it seems that she and Dale are an established couple, which yeah. we don't yeah. we don't see that often in these films. Uh, a few of the Japanese ones, but most of the time the romance is just starting. Mm-hmm. But in this one, they're already a couple, and in fact, they've, apparently they've been discussing getting married. There is a mild attempt at starting a new romance later. Yeah, which WTF. (laughs) Hank uh, indicates that that he is interested, but gets gently shut down. I'm not clear she even was catching on that that Hank was interested. Uh, But yeah, Yeah. that seems to be what's happening. It It was really weird. Yeah. Well, when he bumped into her 
earlier at the beginning, I think he had a little bit of a, oh, hey, how are you doing? Oh, Aldi sorry. Aldi woman sorry, on the I island. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I hit you with this box of dynamite. I'm carrying Yeah. yeah. And they call out to Jim and he answers and says his leg is broken. Which, mm -hmm. uh, But is it really him, though? Or is he already had happened what we um, find out later happens to... Oh, so maybe it's five, though. If Jim dies, I wasn't counting Jim. Do we ever... No, we don't find Jim later, right? No, it's just... Okay, we'll get to that. It's Jim and the two older scientists, and then two sailors. So, yeah, I think the death count is five. And they say it's too dangerous to climb down. Let's use the caves. And they're pretty sure they connect to this pit because the pit was dug up from below. So something down in those caves must have dug up from below to create this pit. And somebody asks Dr. Trenchcoat, are you hiding something from us, Doc? And he's kind of like, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. He says it so nonchalant, too. Like, are you hiding something from us, Doc? Maybe. I'm going to keep talking so that you yeah. forget about what, I, what you just asked me. <laughs> And uh, the, Dale should take Marty back to the house, and then the sailors show up, and everybody is suspicious of Dr. Trenchcoat. Yeah, he's just really weird, but it doesn't really pay off, I don't think. On the beach, Hank throws a rock at a crab, and Dr. Trenchcoat does not want him to do that. He doesn't want to see anything killed. And sailors are like, the sail one of the sailors is like, oh, fuck those crabs. Have you seen them go at a wounded marine? They will finish off a wounded marine in five minutes. So, he, uh, yeah, he didn't, give, he didn't care about those fucking crabs. Into the caves they go. Uh, meanwhile, at the house, Marty goes through McLean's journal, looking for info on the caves appearing in the side of the hills. So apparently these caves just appeared at some point, like the pit did. And it always happened at night. And then we get a, a weird sound again, which I think Marty says, so I heard it at the pit. And a crunch comes from the other room. And Dale goes to look, and there's a roar and a claw, and Dale just just leaves the room, shuts the door. Don't go in there. Yeah, and at this point, the, like, roar just kind of sounds like a man yelling. It kind of sounds like, you know that guy from the Goonies when he's, like, chained up, and they're, like, still <laughs> fucking with him, and he's just like, no! Chunk, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's kind of what the crab sounds like at this point. <laughs> It's awful. At the in the cave, there's a light ahead, and they hear uh, Jim, Jim Carson, and then back at the house, there's another roar, and the electricity goes out. And then we get back at the cave, and the doctor says, "Do not call out to Carson." Blood, blood found. Let's go up the rope. So I guess they've got back to beneath the pit, and and. Dr. Trenchcoat insists that they all stop looking for Carson and go up the rope, which is just more suspicious weirdness from him. Yeah, yeah. Especially when the other guys are like, well, why? We didn't come in this way. We could just need, like, no, up the rope. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which is going to be much more difficult than climbing down it would have been. Uh, at the house, the other room is all smashed up, and the, the say the creature was looking for food. 
but then it appears the radio was also deliberately destroyed and there's a big hole in the walls. I guess that's how it came in and it broke through the wall. Kool-Aid man through the wall. Yeah. So at this point, I'm thinking like, okay, they have the like deliberately destroyed radios, the random people's voice. I'm like, is this like, is something paranormal happening here? Is this crab more than just a giant mindless animal killing things? (laughs) Um, I mean, it is, but not in a way that makes any damn sense. Right. I just don't understand. (laughs) Make me understand this. Well, I mean, it's just a lot of bullshit, this. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Um, the others come back and survey the damage and speculate that the crab is vulnerable to electricity. I don't know why they get that idea, but of course it will turn out to be true later. And Marty looks out the window and notices, yeah, this is more your weird dream shit. She yeah. looks out and is, notices a mountain is missing. <laughs> upon a time there was a mountain it's like uh, that donovan song you know first there's a mountain then there is no mountain then there is uh except that there's there's not an is it just mm. first there's a mountain and then there is no mountain and the doctor's not surprised dr Trenchcoat is not surprised <laughs> <laughs> nothing surprises you doctor can't tell you what smashed up the room but i can say that everything that has happened to us is connected it can't be random. Uh, I mean, it could be, but uh, I wrote unnatural. A brink of a great discovery, but unpleasant. Now let's go look for Dr. Carson. They just stopped looking for him. Is this the next day? I don't freaking know. Uh, this goddamn movie. <laughs> I guess they go back to look for Carson the next day. In the caves, there's a rock slide. And Jules Devereaux, who was the guy called Accent Guy earlier, Accent Mustache Man, loses a hand. There's a rock slide and he gets hit with a rock and it just knocks his hand off right at the wristwatch. Like as if it's like a leg, like it just like like, just pops right off. That's where the seam is, where the wristwatch is. It's just so. (laughs) Yeah, this was this was this is weird dream shit, too. It's like. There's yeah. like the rock slide and all of a sudden his like hand is missing and he's right. like looking at it and passes out, but there's like no blood or anything. And then he like, he like screams, ah, and then now we're just in a hospital. And it's just, it's just so weird because it doesn't, you know, it's not like one of the crabs snapped his hand off with their claw or something. It's just this random rock slide. Although I guess the crabs, it's implied they're <laughs> causing the rock slides. So I guess in a way they're responsible, but it just seems really random. And the uh, sailors show up and they said, how did you know? How did you know we were here? We didn't. The other side of the island, what used to be most has fallen. We were on the other side of the island or what used to be most has fallen into into the drink already. So the island is getting smaller, which is why the mountain disappeared. Uh, And we heard you call uh, and they said, no, not us. And they said, well, it sounded like Carson. Later, Marty tucks Devereaux into bed, and the sailors play cards, betting dynamite (laughs) sticks, and smoking. I don't know if it's dangerous to smoke around dynamite. I don't think it actually is, but it just seemed like they were smoking too close to the dynamite. And then there's a sound and a scream, and (laughs) Devereaux, who's in bed, hears the say, oh, the, the, the... the scream is from the sailors. The, the sailors kind of, there's a sound and they look up and something is clearly coming at them and then they scream. And they scream and then dive into the ground. Yeah. 
And Devereaux in bed hears the sailors calling out to him, claiming to have found Carson and to come outside, but be quiet. And he goes and the crab gets him. Yes. And the great, he's like, he says, uh, he says something like, where are you or something? And they're like the, the crab. He's like, we're right here, professor. And then you realize for the first time that these people's yes. voices are coming from this fucking crab. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? 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 Yes. what? So Marty hears a scream and everyone gets up and they all hear Devereaux's voice. And they say, where are you? And he says, where you all soon will be. And we'll be back tomorrow night. And they're like, wait, is he dead? Is he a ghost? Uh, Morning on the beach, sailors are eaten, but no boats, no bones. And the dynamite is gone. I don't know why they think the sailors have been eaten if there are no bones, but they have been eaten. Uh... We still have to repair the radio and then wait for Jules to speak. So, yeah. Later around the table, Jules speaks to them through a gun. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) Yes. Before they could just sort of hear. Before they could just sort of hear his voice. Maybe they were just hearing it in their head, but they thought they were hearing it in the air or whatever but now apparently he needs to speak through an inanimate object in this case a gun i don't know listen people out there listening to this podcast thinking like what the fuck this doesn't make any goddamn sense like yeah we know that's what we're telling you that's exactly what we're telling uh, the gun tells them something remarkable has happened come to the caves and see and then and car and then Carson's voice speaks as well. And then at the caves, they yell out to show yourselves, and the crab appears and roars. And there's a little bang bang, but it does no good. And the grenade does no good. Grenades, yeah, throws a few grenades. But then a stalactite falls. I don't know if it falls as a result of the shooting and grenading, or if it just falls. But the stalactite falls and kills the crab. <laughs> But they're worried that it's like a stake in a vampire, that if they remove it, the crab would come back to life. It'll come back to life, which is more like doesn't make shit dream shit, right? Yeah, yeah. Then then they take one of the claws as a sample. Yeah, yeah. Another thing. They just like take one of his legs and just like pop it right off another Lego leg. Just and take, then they just see a second crab, but they throw some dynamite to, to cut it off. They, you know, make a little rock slide in the cave to keep uh, keep the crab away. And Devereaux's voice says, you have destroyed McLean and all his party and tried to destroy me. That's a mis- it's a mistake. So uh, so I'm just I'm going to cut ahead a little bit here. To explain what what is going on. It seems when these crabs eat somebody that they consume their mind. When they eat their... Yeah, they absorb their yeah, brain. When they eat the brain, they absorb their mind in the process. And so I guess the one crab had McLean and all of his party's essence. But the other mm-hmm. crab 
I don't know why both crabs wouldn't have part of McLean and and his party. Like only one of the crabs ate McLean and his group, and the other cloud crab had to wait until this group came along. This seems to be what they're implying. Yeah. That the second crab is only eating people from this group, mm-hmm. and the first crab ate everybody from the other group, which is yeah ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's absolutely, it's a fever dream. It's absolutely yeah, insane. Yeah. It's just so weird. There's two giant crabs, but one of them's like, no, no, I'll wait for the next group to show up. You go ahead. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You go ahead and eat all these guys. And then he does. And so then because he did, he absorbs their brains and now their brains are just a part of him and he can like fuck with his friends, with their friends and stuff, with their brains uh-huh. that they have absorbed. Yep into their giant crab bodies. I'm kidding. This is like the first movie where I feel like I want to tell people like, you have to watch this just to like believe what I'm telling you because it just makes no sense. I don't know if we mentioned it but uh, last week, but you can watch this on YouTube. You don't have to pay any money for it. Yeah, it's it's weird. I watched it by itself, but another YouTube channel had it on the double feature with Not of This Earth. Which is what it was originally a double feature with back in the day. Nice. Back at the house, they're Uh studying the claw and say that the molecular structure has been disrupted. And that it's a biological freak as a result of radiation poisoning. And there's no... (laughs) no cohesion between the atoms then why is it still intact yeah how can it kill people yeah and then there's a bunch of electricity bullshit yeah the electricity ashes they talk about free free electrons but instead of free electrons it he talks about how Electricity moves through a copper wire with free electrons, but instead this has free atoms, all disconnected like a mass of liquid with a permanent shape. Isn't a mass of what? liquid isn't a mass of liquid with a permanent shape uh, uh, ice? Uh, but any matter it eats will be absorbed and become part of the crab. Yeah, that's what happens <laughs> when anything eats anything else. That's how eating works. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. Oh my god! Uh, and that's uh, uh, as a result. Uh, okay, yeah, I wrote. That's what always happens. Result in eating the brain absorbs the mind intact and working. And I just wrote bullshit. <laughs> Uh, and, oh, then Ru- and then Russell Johnson has a line that I found highly amusing, but apparently was lost on you when he says, okay, professor, uh, just because he's the professor on Gilgan's Island. See, you see. So I thought it was funny that he was calling somebody else professor, but God damn it. You got to watch some Gilgan's Island. I guess I do. I'm not telling you it's actually good. It's just a cultural thing you need to have in your brain. Oh yeah, I've been I've been told many a times that it's ridiculous that I haven't seen it, but I never did. <sighs> How do they blow up the island? Crabs non not men? What? So against us? I don't know what the f- <laughs> Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what I've written here. There's the time in your little bingo slot. Yeah, but it does seem that they the crabs are blowing up the island. Why? I don't know. 
I'm not sure why this is because they we've they mentioned many times land crabs. So presumably these are mutated land crabs. So they don't want to be yeah. completely underwater all the time. They need well, to have some land. Trying to, they're trying to get the humans like uh, corner the humans so that they can. It just seems like a really weird way to go about it. Uh, but they yeah. apparently they send out arcs of heat, which the evidence of that was the the rocks at the pit. Marty looking at photo. Oh, so, uh, Doctor, one of the doctors, Doctor Trenchcoat, maybe I don't remember which, uh, took a picture. Oh yeah. On on the fly, when they were fighting the two crabs earlier with the slide stalactite. And Marty's looking at the photos of the crab. And by looking at this photo, she can tell that the crab is pregnant. Mm -hmm. Something to do with the coloration, I guess. Kill it? Wait, capture? I wrote. Uh, I guess they're arguing about what to do about it. And Hank says, let's find out if the crab is afraid of electricity. And shocks the claw. And it totally vaporizes the claw. Turns to ash. And he says the crab is negatively charged. Uh, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they make, they make it. They decide to stun but not kill the crab. How are they going to do that? Because this little shock totally destroyed the claw. Yeah. So they're they're not going to be able to electrically stun it. It's going to instantly kill it. Yeah. And then I wrote, "Boom goes the dynamite. We must hurry." The crabs are setting off the dynamite themselves, I guess. Uh, Caves are pretty flooded now, so Marty and Hank, for some reason, instead of Marty and Dale, will dive Mm -hmm. to... They've devised these electrical traps, and they're going to dive to set the electrical traps. So this made me think that Dale was going to die so that Hank and Marty could have their romance that they're threatening to have but that does not happen <laughs> because this yeah. is where this is where hank tries to hit on marty but the crab mm-hmm. oh so she does i misspoke earlier where i said she she gently turned him down no the crab cock blocks him <laughs> and they, you're welcome dale yeah they run for their water doctor and dale so they what run across pit bottom oh oh the doctor and dale are watching from above through the pit they're watching down the pit and marty and hank went to go through the caves but they had to scuba through because they're flooded now because they keep destroying more of the island and so the doctor Mm -hmm. and dale looking down saw them go running across the bottom of the pit and head to the sea entrance and uh, then they're swimming, and the crab follows, and they surface, and the crab comes ashore, but the bullets pass through it like x-rays. So, yeah, how come it can grab you, but you can't affect it? Exactly. Exactly. And also, while we're here, can I please just ask, why the fuck does this crab have human eyeballs? Yeah. <laughs> Why does this crab have I guess human eyeballs? It absorbed them and became I don't know. <laughs> and the crab starts talking shit and there's more earthquake and then uh back at the house they're working on the radio and the island is getting smaller and there's not much less. The the island has now been reduced to the size of less than half a city block, apparently. 
And the radio picks up a DJ, Pineapple Joe. Pineapple Joe. <laughs> so only the receiver is working. They can't transmit. May, but maybe I can get a telegraph set up. Uh, there's an old telegraph key around somewhere. <laughs> and then there's some small talk. And this is where uh, Marty mentions that she and Dale are going to get married. Married. That they're going to, they're once he gets promoted, we're going to consider a permanent partnership or some, you know, she says, says it in a weird way. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this moment right now? What's going on here? What is this? Why? Why? For what? Why do we have this moment? I guess some kind of character development. But yeah, it doesn't go Ooh. anywhere. Well, I don't know why yeah, there weird. needs to be this. Hey, I kind of like you. Hey, that's nice. But I'm planning to marry Dale moment <laughs> when, it, when nothing comes of it or could come of it. It's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess they're just trying to make us give a shit about these people. I felt like this was another moment that would make sense in my dream, but whenever I woke up, I'd be like, oh my God, what the hell, you know? Yeah. Uh, Doctor and Dale, is this still Dr. Trenchcoat? Yeah, I think so. He hasn't died yet. Doctor and Dale find oil? Don't worry about the crab. It's like a rattlesnake. It makes noise before it, it attacks, which is true. It's been doing that. And they split up, which is stupid. Dale sees the crab and runs and meets the others. And he says the crab is heading towards Carl, which is Dr. Trenchcoat's name. we got to get him out of the caves. Stay here, Marty. <laughs> this movie, we talked before about whether the various movies were sexist or not. Uh, I think this one kind of, I think this one is because... Even though she's a lady scientist, there is a lot of her just, you know, passing out and the guys all, you know, oh, you go back to where it's safe and we'll deal with this shit kind of, you know, treating her like a fragile woman instead of a... Yeah, I couldn't, I, I wasn't even, I was so not even paying attention to that because I was just so <laughs> weirded the fuck out by this whole movie. I was just like so confused the whole time that I couldn't even think about things right. like that because I... Because I'm just like, what the hell is? What is this? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a point of sexism for the way they are kind of condescending to her. And of course, it gets a one on the racism scale because there are no non-white people anywhere to be seen. Uh, but Carl is messing with the trap, and he sees the crab, and then steps on the uh, trap himself. <laughs> Uh, the, the the electricity traps that they've been trying to trying to set. Oh god! Uh, he steps on it himself, and Marty does not stay. Confused. <laughs> I was so confused at this part. Like, wait, what? Didn't he know about? Why would he do that? Yeah, like, why? It's clumsy, I guess. I guess. Everyone runs. They see the crab get Carl, and then run away. Uh, but Dale stays to light the oil, which so there was just random, like natural oil in the cave. Uh, so he lights it, but it didn't kill it. Uh, hope fire will hold it long enough for us to send a message you know, on the, on the radio message is sent, but then the Devereaux crab taunts them <laughs> and the island starts to crack up and, uh, what is it? Ran water get ho house? Water, the water gets the house. Yes, I think there's a like a little bit of flooding and it destroys the house. Does that sound familiar? Does that seem right? No, fucking no, man. 
So there, yeah, it gets the house because they're climbing up onto what is left of the island. They've got six grenades left. The transmitter is still working. So there's an antenna up at the peak of the mount of the island of what's left of the island. And uh, the crab is coming. Blast him. There's They throw grenades and shoot the gun. And then Hank... <laughs> Hank tries to go mono eclao with the crab and ends up blasting his own leg with the, with one of the grenades. But the, then he climbs up the radio antenna and drops it on the crab, which gets electrocuted. The end. Yeah, but it's like so awkward because like this, he gets on the the tower and then like falls like pulls it down and like on top of the crab and they both get electrocuted or whatever and then the guy's like he gave his life and she's like i know and then it ends oh did he did did hank die he died i didn't get that i didn't get that yeah he says he says he gave his life and she says i know and then it just says the end so i guess the navy shows up and rescues the two of them, but maybe, maybe. we don't know. <laughs> maybe not. Who fucking knows? I feel like I, I just, I just don't even know how to feel after watching this movie. I, I seriously felt like it was just like a when you get too sick and you're like fever is too high <laughs> and you're like asleep and your brain is just cooking. So you dream like weird shit that doesn't make sense. That's uh-huh. what this movie was. Like okay. that is, that's the only way to describe this movie. I mean, is it entertaining in that way? In the way of like, <laughs> you're constantly like, what the actual fuck is happening? The, the crabs talking was really like, I just couldn't wrap my brain around it. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Uh- <laughs> this is the, maybe the weirdest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> ever. Ever okay. in the history of ever, I was just and so certainly confused. the weirdest one we've covered on this show. It uh, is, uh, Honeybee. What rating are you going to give this movie? I'm going to give it a two point seven for <laughs> the fact that it's still entertaining, and I still want people to watch it just so that. This okay. This is the first and only movie that we've watched. That's like besides, like you know, the Halloween movies and stuff, where I'm like, no, you should watch it just so you can like see how weird it is, and we can talk about how weird it is. Okay. Because it makes no sense whatsoever. I don't think people should watch it because it's a good movie. Right. I just think it's so crazy. It's so weird. It's just such a weird movie, especially for its time. It's like, it's, I just, I, I, I wish, I just don't even know how to feel, honestly. <laughs> uh, I think I'll give it an even two, but only because Russell Johnson was in it. Oh, uh, yeah. Without Russell Johnson, it gets a one. Dang. Yep. Uh, it's just always nice to see one of those people in something other than Gilligan's Island. I, I enjoy that. It's just nice for me personally so when when was gilligan's island was it like when was it like that happening was actually happening uh let me check here i get on the wikipedia uh it's definitely after this movie right um, i was thinking 
It's like 80s, right? No. No. 80s. No? No. Is it? Is it after that? No, it's before that. Oh, well then how are you so shocked that I haven't like, seen it? Because, well... Because it used to be on TV constantly, I don't. Oh, I don't know. I no, no, it was started in 1963. Oh. Well, the pilot. Oh. Sorry, uh, it says number of episodes 98 plus a 1963 pilot. First broadcast in 1964, so that is four years before I was born. But okay, it was I... in syndication nonstop, probably as soon as it's as soon as it went off the air probably went into syndication immediately yeah i don't know if it's now on you know nick at night or something like that but yeah with when cable came along it probably did not get as much play as before right. when there's just some or if it did there's just so many other options that it gets drowned out yeah i mean i've obviously heard of gilligan's island i like I've heard of it, of course, my whole life, but I don't think I can't think of a single episode that I've ever seen. Right. You know what I think of? I, I there was a show where it's like an island show, and there's like a oh man. I don't even know. I, Sur Survivor? <laughs> no, it's not Survivor. It's a it's another show where it's like a kids show though, and they're like um, there's like big puppet animals and stuff. I don't know what you're talking about anyways yeah land of, land of the lost i have no idea it ran from 64 to 67 but okay oh wow then there were various tv movies and sequels and things and those were when i was a kid okay. so there uh three television film sequels were made 1978, Rescue from Gilgan's Island. 1979, Cast Away on Gilgan's Island. And then the Harlem Globetrotters on Gilgan's Island. Dang. Yes. They, and I think the Castaways, if that's the one I'm thinking of, is looked like it was intended to be a pilot for a new series that would have been like a Love Boat Fantasy Island type series. Hmm. They uh, get off finally, in rescue from Gilligan's Island. They finally get off the island, and then they—I think—they end up back on it at the end of the movie. And then this in in Castaways, they get off the island and then are able to actually figure out where the island is. And Mister Howell, who is the millionaire, buys the island and opens a resort on the island. And hi oh. and hires the skipper and Gilligan to work the resort. So this is where it would have been a love boat style thing in that different people would come to the island every week and have, you know, their little romances or whatever and, and their little storylines and interact with the regulars. And huh. Then in uh, Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island, I believe they had to play a basketball game against uh, robots from space. What? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, they're still operating the resort, and the Harlem Globetrotters are on a plane ride over the ocean when it suffers engine trouble, is forced to make an emergency landing on Gilligan's Island, and 
they are found. They are in the jungle, but then they're found. And I'm trying to uh, find the part about the robots. <laughs> I don't think they're from space. I think somebody's just, yeah, some other millionaires just built these robots called the New Invincibles. Well, apparently, I'm going to have to get into some Gilligan violence. <laughs> I think they pro- I think they have to play the robots for the fate of the island or some, <laughs> some nonsense. So, yeah, this was in uh, 1981, and the Harlem Globetrotters were extremely popular at the time. And uh, they uh, had their own TV show, cartoon show. And so then Gilligan's Island also had two different cartoon shows, The New Adventures of Gilligan's Island, which was just them on the island, but in cartoon form. And then Gilligan's Planet, which was a science fiction version. <laughs> in which they uh, escape from the island by building a spaceship and get shipwrecked on a distant planet. So, there you go. Holy shit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Gilligan's Island podcast. <laughs> uh, I, You know, I'm sure there is a Gilligan's Island podcast. There has to be, right? Um, there yeah, has to be. Pro- maybe even more than one. So, um, shout out, shout out to you guys, Judas Priest. Uh, yeah, Crab Monsters, not not great, not great. Russell Johnson, not though, great. great. Uh, Roger Corman, nice to meet you. Hope yeah. I never see you again. Yeah, yeah, fuck off, Corman. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Monster Movie yeah. One Time Go. As I said, Attack of the Crab Monsters is readily available on the YouTubes. Please uh, like and subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Send us a message at monstermoviefuntimego at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash mmftg. Buy our t-shirts at cafepress.com slash mmftg. Look for us on all the social medias. We are there. Hit a brother and sister up. Hello, brother. <laughs> Remember... Keep calm and take shelter in basements. Don't misuse science. And we will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Fun Time Go. Monster Movie Fun Time Go. Now this is a tale about castaways. They're here for a long, long time. They'll have to make the best of things. It's an uphill climb. First mate and his skipper too will do their very best to make the others comfortable in their cockpit island nest. No phone, no light, no motor cars, not a single luxury. Like Robinson Crusoe, it's primitive as can be. So join us here each week, my friends. You're sure to get a smile from seven stranded castaways here on Gilligan Island. You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacano folk rock punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg.